Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What it do? Episode 104 for the love of the game. Let's get it. Come out and play. I know we had to do a remix, right? Mad, I get more butt than ashtrays. The fair one, I get mine the fast way. Ski mask way, and you can ransom notes. Far from handsome, but damn, I get a tote. More guns than roses, foes is shaking in their boots. A visible bully, like the gooch disappear, van moose, you whack to me. Take them rhymes back to the factory. I see the gimmicks, the whack lyrics, the shit is depressing, pathetic. Please forget it. You're mad, cause my style you're admiring. Bad UPS is hiring. You should have been the cop. Hip hop with that freestyle, you're bound to get shot. Not from Houston, but I rap a lot. Pack the gap a lot. The flame's about to drop. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. Episode 104 for the love of the game. What is happening, everybody? So, the all star break in the NBA is come and gone. Team LeBron defeated Team Durant 170-150 with uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo taking home MVP honors. Going to discuss All-Star Weekend in depth a little bit later in this show with tonight's guest, among other NBA topics. Looking forward to the second half of the season. Just FYI, this week is going to be a three-episode week, God willing. We got tonight talking NBA, tomorrow night talking Bachelor, and then hopefully a all New York basketball episode coming later in the week, I believe Thursday, talking Knicks and possibly one other team in New York. But let's jump right into it. Uh, a few thoughts from All-Star Weekend. The dunk contest, number one. Man, that was kind of lame. Anthony Simons from the Trailblazers took home the crown. Uh, he beat Obi Toppin and Cassius Stanley from the Indiana Pacers, Obi Toppin from my New York Knicks. But man, what a snooze fest. Now, I get it. This year, it needed to be sandwiched in at halftime. I get that the format had to be different this year in order to uh, condense it a little bit to fit with the overall condensed All-Star weekend because it was only one day due to the coronavirus and logistics. But none of that really matters because unless the best players and the stars are going to do the dunk contest, it will basically be lackluster. The dunk contest used to be the crown jewel of a normal all-star Saturday night, but now the three-point contest has taken the mantle and it's not even close. So Zion Williamson, this is on you, man. Get in the dunk contest. Save the dunk contest. Do something that LeBron James never did. Zach Levine, I'm talking to you too. Come back to the dunk contest. Let's make the dunk contest great again. Because right now, it's just really, really lackluster. And sorry uh, for using that phrase. Uh, if I triggered anybody, you probably won't like listening to my podcast anyway. Uh, two, as I mentioned, the three-point contest. Well, this was awesome. Because Steph Curry put on a clinic, a 31 in the first round and a 28 in the second round. By the way, he hit those uh, the three-point Mountain Dew balls from they call Curry range, which is like six feet beyond the arc. Just ridiculous. Mike Conley had an awesome showing too, above 25 in both rounds, and it took a money ball from Steph Curry in the final round to win it. But as I mentioned before, the three-point contest has become the premier 
event of All-Star Weekend because the bigger names participate in the contest. Three, the game itself. Yeah, there's little defense, and no, it wasn't as good or nearly as competitive as last year's game. But my biggest takeaway from this year's game is the shot-making ability in this league right now is at an all-time high. It's just ridiculous. Just ridiculous. And yeah, Stephen Curry is on his own level when it comes to shot-making. Dame Willard is a notch below. But even the notches below them, you look at guys like Paul George, James Harden, Kyrie Irving. See, I said something nice about Kyrie and James Harden. Zach Levine. Jason Tatum, Devin Booker, who didn't play, Donovan Mitchell even a little bit. The shot making right now is just is on another level. Now, can the game devolve into a three-point contest and who can make it from deeper? Yes. Does it take the big man out of the all-star game? A little bit, yes. But you can also marvel at the skill level of these guys. And Dame Willard and Steph Curry made shots from over 35 feet out, look absolutely effortless last night. I mean, they, they each made one from an inside, a step inside the half-court line, and it didn't even look like they were breaking a sweat. Crazy, craziness, which brings me to my last all-star point. Steph Curry has reclaimed his throne as the signature face of the league. Yes, that even includes LeBron. No one in the NBA is as universally liked as Steph Curry. When Steph Curry has it going, the NBA fan community at large rejoices. I mean, you can see it on Twitter. Twitter goes absolutely bonkers when Steph Curry is on a heater. And I don't think anybody in America is as good as their job as Steph Curry is at shooting a basketball. I truly believe that. This forgot about Dre season from Steph has been amazing to watch. Just Awesome to have him back after he missed basically all of last year. Uh, one last thing. There's definitely something between Dame and Steph brewing. There's a rivalry, and you could see it last night, because Dame is the only one who can remotely approximate almost what Steph does on a basketball court. And imagine if you're Dame Lillard, and you are as great as you are. You're a top seven guy in the league, basically. And there's a guy who plays just like you, pretty much just like you, who's just a notch above you as a player, just a notch above. And he, this guy who's just a notch above you is so popular and has all the accolades. He has the two regular season MVPs. He has the three titles. If I was Damian Lillard, again, who's great, great, a top eight guy in this league and an MVP candidate this year, this would drive me absolutely crazy. It would drive me nuts. But you could see there's something going on between the two of them. A friendly competition with a little bit of iciness because they're competitive with each other, if that makes sense. But yeah, Steph Curry won this year's All-Star Weekend and just having Steph Curry in the mix is awesome. One last thing before bringing on tonight's guest. I know I generally am a positive guy in this show. I talk about sports. I love to talk about sports. I love to laugh about sports, whatever. But I also love to call out the media when they suck. And what do you know? The sports media decide to suck yet again. First, it was the quote-unquote Corona Bros who bashed the NBA for having an all-star game due to COVID. And guess what? It basically went off without a hitch. Yeah, there was the Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid contract tracing with a barber. 
that was a bit of a scare. But yeah, they tested negative. So all things considered, this was a success for the NBA. And then there was this. The media, in a media session, decided to ask LeBron what his stance is regarding the COVID vaccine and if LeBron and his family would take it. And LeBron answered something to this effect. This is a conversation I'm going to have with my family. Okay, so as many of you know, the NBA media as a whole tends to slant a certain way politically. They have certain political leanings. And this particular political leaning these days seems to try and discredit the effectiveness of the vaccine, which is funny because the same people a couple of months ago were screaming, believe the scientists, trust the scientists. Funny how things have kind of flipped a little bit. Uh, this was never about public safety. It's always been about political control. But anyway, moving on back to LeBron's answer. Naturally, people were mad he didn't endorse the vaccine publicly. But honestly, shame on the media for asking this type of leaning question, trying to get him to give an answer that could be political charged. Whether you agree with his answer or not, the decision for him to vaccine his family is a personal one. And it's not LeBron's job to educate the black community or NBA fans at large across all races about the COVID vaccine. That's not his job. He's a basketball player. As Charles Barkley once said in a Nike ad years ago, quote, I'm not a role model. LeBron gave a perfectly good answer and the media shouldn't treat LeBron as anything more than a great basketball player. And they especially shouldn't be asking him personal questions like that that are incredibly invasive. Ask him questions about basketball. What do you know? I mean, especially when you're covering the game of basketball. If you're covering a basketball event, you should be asking basketball players basketball-related questions. I know that's not so difficult. And if you want to ask him about his I Promise School or the other charities he's involved in, that's fine too. All well and good, but don't make LeBron out to be something that he's not. And that's not a demerit to LeBron, by the way. It's just insane. The media and sports media specifically at large sucks. It absolutely sucks. And I, for one, I'm trying to be the light unto the nation when it comes to the media and basically be a member of the media. That doesn't suck. But anyway, enough of that rant. It's time to get back onto lighter topics, fun NBA topics. We're going to talk with a uh, recurring guest that I mentioned before in just a moment. So I'm bringing back a popular recurring guest, somebody who had messaged me privately, said he had some takes. He was ready to share them. Mr. Josh Friedman, we're getting ready for the second half of the NBA season. I'm excited to hear your takes. What's going on, bro? Uh, nothing. I'm just excited to uh, you know get the second half of the season started and uh, head towards that playoffs. It's uh, NBA, more and more, I feel like the NBA season is just, you know, gearing up for the playoffs and, you know, more than ever this year. It's been an interesting year so far. A little topsy-turvy, an interesting year, but there are a lot of storylines. We want to talk about teams specifically that don't get a lot of national pub. Like, we're going to try to avoid talking about the Lakers, even though I'll give you your uh, the floor is yours at the end. Uh, we're going to try to avoid talking about the Lakers, the Clippers, the Bucks the Knicks, and the Nets tonight as much as possible. Um, but before that, obviously, the All-Star game was uh, this past weekend. There was uh, much debate on whether uh, they should have it or not. 
but it went off basically without a hitch, minus the uh, the Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons contact tracing. But they weren't the even, and they didn't even test positive. Right. So I mean, overall, like I had said it early. I don't know where you were on the issue, but I, I said it early. I was like, you got to trust that Adam Silver is going to do whatever he has to do to make this as insular as possible and take all the precautions necessary. So to satisfy the TV partners, which then has the trickle down effect to the revenue, which affects all 450 players. It's a no brainer. Like you try to do things right. And, and I couldn't stand how everybody was just against it, but we're not going to litigate that again. So I wanted to get your thoughts on this year's all-star game. Um, uh, dunk contest, well, dunk contest, three point skills. Uh, what were your thoughts of all-star weekend? Uh, you know, I thought it was really, I mean, no secret. It was jam packed. Um, I think that kind of took away from it that like everything happened so quickly all at once. Um, but I think, listen, you know, stars shine, people are talking about it. People just want to see these, these stars play together, you know, and, um, you know, Steph won three point contest on a buzzer beater. That was phenomenal. Awesome. Uh, NBA couldn't have asked for a better outcome on that regard. Um, you know, Sabonis winning the skills. That's nice. You know, he's a, he's a big guy can do all things certainly deserving of it. Uh, the dunk contest was, you know, uh, you know, weaker compared to some previous years where we've had some bigger names like Gordon and Levine. Um, but you know, I, I have, I, I, I picked Simons to win before, um, before this, before the contest, I knew the kid could jump high and you, you really got to see his, uh, you know, you got to see him soar. I don't think any of the dunks were maybe the most memorable when we look back on it, but it was a fun time. It was a fun time. I had a fun time watching. I uh, I, I mentioned it in the monologue, but the dunk contest, yeah, I know the format was different this year because they had to put it in in the um, at halftime. They had to the crunch it in. They only had three dunkers as opposed to four. I mean, they used to have eight yeah. or, or six to eight, something like that, but like just – it's not going to matter unless the top guys are going to do it, right? It just won't. Like, it's on Zion Williamson to keep this thing alive, right? Zach Levine, come back to us, please, all right? Other than that, no one's going to care. And normally on All-Star Saturday night, the dunk contest is the crown jewel. And right now, the three-point contest has easily surpassed the dunk contest in terms of being the crown jewel of all-star weekend in terms of the, uh, the competitions. I thought the, uh, in the skills, I mean, the guards didn't really try hard. I think the bigs always try a little bit harder because, um, want that title. and they, and they want something to prove and, and for Sabonis to get, you know, more national pub is good. Cause he's a really, really good player. Uh, as for the game, yeah, it's ugly in the first couple of quarters. I mean, just going back and forth the first, half is generally unwatchable but two things stood out to me one is just you know the level of shooting ability in the league now like the type of shots that these guys can make you know and and we're not even talking about Steph Curry who's a cut above and Damian Lillard who is the next cut above um you know a, a, a notch and a half below Steph but like I mean you see what like Paul George is able to do like, and it just goes to show you how, when guys really ratchet it up, like on defense, you know, how, how insane the shot making is because, and you, you see these guys get numbers like this. It's really, it's really crazy. But the thing that stood out to me was, you know, Steph Curry 
became the, the secondary face of the league again. He won the weekend. Uh, the the three-point contest that he won was in dramatic fashion. And NBA Twitter is different when Steph Curry's doing different things. Oh, it's yeah. just a different place. And he's so incredibly likable, like universally likable that LeBron may be the best player, but he doesn't have the, the, uh, the across all, you know, people appeal that, that Curry has. He doesn't have the approval rating that Curry has. And LeBron's got a very high approval rating. That's not even to bag on LeBron, but it's just, it's just different. And, and, for him after he missed all last year, for him to be back in the mix. And he made – there was one shot where he made uh, – Zach Levine was guarding him, and Levine poked away the ball, and Curry's handle – and he was a little loose with his handle, and he scurries back. He's backpedaling to get the ball, turns around from like 37 feet out and buried it. And you're just like, what is this? Like, what is this? It's crazy. Yeah, as much as I uh, as much as I've learned to appreciate and love LeBron, um, being a Laker, um, one thing LeBron does not have, which I've always you know compared to him, let's say to even even Kobe or Jordan, uh, this wow factor, uh, and I don't mean a wow factor in like you're seeing something you've never seen before. You know, LeBron is a skilled. You he's know, not as fluid. He's not he's as a beast. Yeah. He's he's six eight. He's just he's so big. He's so strong and so skilled that he just overpowers. His and, movements aren't as fluid. And, and Steph does these things that you just you can't explain. It's not yeah. it's not a physical trait. It's just it, it's you're just in awe of some of the shot making ability. Um, and I think Kobe and Jordan had that a little bit with the wow factor of difficult shot making. And Steph has that like nobody we've seen. Yeah, I, I, the artistry with LeBron just because of how big he is like he he's a and he's a great athlete like he's a he's a generationally great athlete but he's not as fluid with his movements as Jordan was as Kobe was or as Steph was it just doesn't look as pretty and the way the way I like to say it is I, I can explain I can almost like explain LeBron right if you give somebody that skill with that size with that speed they're gonna be that good Right. He's got this. Now, the thing I can't explain about LeBron is how he doesn't get hurt. Right. Um, that, has that's lasted so long. That's yeah. his awe factor. But like I've seen people Kobe size. I've seen people Steph size. And to, to, to do what they're doing, there's no there's no science to it. There's no explanation yeah. beyond just sure br- brilliance. Yeah. Overall, the all star game was great, was was entertaining. And there's this little Lillard Steph kind of. Oh, yeah beef here in terms of like Lillard wants his shine and and he's not at Steph's level because as my guy Ryan Rossillo said on on the show he's just like they went head to head no Durant in 2018 and and Steph yeah saw that went absolutely bonkers and and destroyed him so but Lillard's pretty damn close and like and he said and Rossillo said like how would you feel like if you're Damian Lillard right and and you're as good as you are, and he's ridiculous, and he's just he's just a, a notch below. That's got to be the worst feeling in the world. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Especially being from Oak, he's from Oakland, so you know the Warriors almost being you know being his hometown team. It's it's uh it's definitely challenging to him, and you can see it. You can certainly see it. It's palpable. 
The other last thing I wanted to say on the All-Star game that the two moments I enjoyed was there was a moment James Harden was bringing up the ball where Paul Chris Paul was actually pestering him in the backcourt. Mm-hmm. And Harden was racing up the floor and Paul chased him from behind and stole it. And obviously in the All-Star game, especially in the first half, defense is really non-existent. But the fact that they still don't like each other to that effect was beautiful. And there was a, the last one was the funny moment was uh, Giannis had like a breakaway and Jokic was trailing. And you feed the big guy who's trailing. Even if he's trailing, you pass it back, he gets the two. Giannis didn't see him and went for a dunk, a pretty lame dunk too. Like give us a little flair. And Jokic was like noticeably like pissed. Not that he was pissed, but like he was was like, where was the lob? Where was the lob? And then on the next possession, refused to inbound the ball to Giannis. He just like pointed at him and shook his finger. No, that was that was enjoyable. Jokic is is so fun. And there are just so many likable guys in the league. Yeah. It's just yeah, such it's, a, fun. it's fun to see the players interact with each other and, uh, you know, be on the same team, throw the alley-oops and, and see that connection that they have. It's a, it's a likable, likable cast of characters, but so that's over and done with. So now second half of the year. Um, so let's start with the Eastern conference. Uh, obviously we're, we're avoiding talking about like, you know, the major teams, but uh, mm-hmm. what two Eastern teams are you most looking forward to watching, monitoring and why? Um, so it's interesting. I've got one that I think, uh, really can make a push up and one that I expect, um, might, might fall down. Number one, I'm actually really excited. They don't get a lot of shine. I'm really excited to see the Pacers get Karis Levert and TJ Warren back in their lineup. Mm -hmm. They are currently not, uh, I think they're, they're under 500. They're currently out of the playoffs. But the talent on that team, uh, you know, last year they were, uh, I think they ended a five seed, four or five seed last year. So I expect them to really catapult themselves back up into contention, see how Levert fits in, make sure, you know, hopefully hopefully he comes back healthy. And Warren was, you know, Warren went nuts for them in the bubble and then got hurt at the beginning of this year. So I am really excited to see them make a push. Um, You know, I I think the the top of the East is kind of really settled and there's not really room to budge in. But I would Off the top three. Yeah, yeah, the top three. Yeah, the top three. three are I would expect the Pacers to, uh, to make their way up there. Um, my other one, um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll leave Chicago out of it for right now, even though I think they've, they're an interesting team and they have a chance. Um, and, uh, and it's nice to see Toronto back in the mix after such a rough start. But the other, the other people I'm really, the other team I'm really interested in is what the Magic do. Um, they've got a lot of talent. I don't think they're making the playoffs. They've got like the fifth highest payroll in the league. So I expect them to certainly possibly be sellers come deadline time. And if they drop off pretty quickly, uh, I would expect a lot of talent to be heading to a lot of places and a lot of opportunity. And I'll bring that up later when we get to our possible trade scenario. Yeah. Vucevic is going to be on the move. That's what happens when you're an all-star player, you're making that kind of money and your team stinks. It's you're going to be in trade talks. That's the way it is. It's funny that you picked the pay, those two teams because I actually didn't pick either of them. Um, my two teams are the Wizards. Let's start with the Wizards. Obviously started off brutal. I am on record of saying the Wizards would be a top six seed in the East. 
Uh, it's not looking great. I, I bet their season wins over of 33 and a half. It's not looking great, but you know, Westbrook has been bad this year, but he's maybe turning a corner, maybe. And Beal, like if Westbrook is going to be, you know, 85% of peak Westbrook and Beal is continuing to show out and Rui Hachimura is turning into a nice player, like there's something there. Like that team can easily make a run to at least be in the play-in tournament. So it's I'm going to be really interested to see what happens there because it could go, also go the other way. Yeah. And, and no, I just it, 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 I've yeah. never seen it. You know, it, nothing tells me more than this year how easy it is for some guys to get numbers, right? Meaning Westbrook just gets numbers, and it's you know no big deal, triple double, no big deal. I mean, he probably leads the league in triple doubles this year, but how effective he's been has been a different story. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they certainly have the talent from the top two and some nice pieces. Berton's been playing better of late. He's um, making so his shots. shots to get to the playing tournament. So yeah, that's the first team. And the second team is Charlotte. Charlotte is really fun to watch. I am not a Terry Rozier believer, but he's been great. I've been, oh, I was on record saying that the Gordon Hayward contract was questionable. He was a borderline all-star. He's been great. And LaMelo may be one of my all-time draft misses because he's he's ridiculous. Like, he is just ridiculous. And, and a guy like that with his energy, like, teams feed off of that. You know, teams yeah. feed off of that, especially teams that are, like, young. Like, they, they see this guy, and, yeah, he's flashy, but, like, he makes winning plays too, and, and why can't they be in the mix? Like, would you want to see them on, you know, on a given night? If you're like a team's, you know, way considered way better than them, like would you really want to see them on a given night? They're coached well. They they just have an upside. I'm curious to see what they do at the trade deadline. Yeah, I think uh, you know, not to not to throw too much praise on, on Lamelo just yet, but he's got a um, he's got a spark factor to him, o- almost similar a, l- a little bit to Steph in that regard that when he gets going, that team gets going and that engine gets going and everybody just plays a little bit better off him. And I really love the, um, the, the, you know, the combination they have Hayward, Rogier, Graham's a little bit hurt now, but he's been good. PJ Washington has been good for them. Cody Zeller has been solid at the five. They've really got talent up and down the lineup. They've got a little bit of depth. Um, and uh, yeah, they've been, they've been very exciting to watch. Very, very And the pieces fit because the biggest knock on Rogier was he's a 6'2", shoot-first point guard. Normally, that doesn't equate to wins, right, if he's going to be your starter and making the money that he's making. But if you put him with a guy like Gordon Hayward who can, you know, run offense, run pick-and-roll offense, and, and, and looks to get guys involved and is also more of a facilitator, and you have Lamelo, who's 6'7", also a facilitator, like Rogier can just be Gunnar Rogier, right? It's kind of like the Kyrie Irving effect right now on Brooklyn, yeah. you know, with Harden doing a lot of the facilitating and the orchestrating and Durant able to do it. Like Kyrie can go back to like his natural thing. It's just like, I'll be over here. I can get my own when I need to get my own uh, and just be super effective that way. I know we're not going to talk about the Nets that much, but like Rogier is kind of 
like Kyrie light in that respect with this team. And, and it's working. The team, the team fits and they uh, play hard and they're well coached. Been a really good job. Really good job by the coach. The, uh, the bonus team I had, cause I, I, I couldn't just choose to the bonus team I had is Miami because Miami was decimated by injuries and COVID and they have two top 15 players in the league. Uh, when Jimmy Butler plays, they win. All right. When he's healthy, they win. Bam Adebayo is taking a step. Uh, should have been in the all-star game last night. He's taking a step. And I just, I think they can, I mentioned before that the top three are kind of unassailable. If there's one team that can make its way into the top three and, and should be in the top four in terms of a, uh, you know, a top four seed, it's the Miami Heat because that team is really good. And they have a move to make. Yeah, the, you know, the, the, the teams that have stayed consistent with their roster, if, if Spolsch has been there a long time, um, they're close enough now that I would still expect them to be uh, to either get home court or just miss home court in the playoffs. Um, and certainly not a team you want to play in the early rounds of the playoffs. Not at all. They, they play tough defense. That team knows how to win, and they've been there. They made a run last year. They know what it's like. They've been there. I'm just curious before we go on to the Western Conference, you mentioned Chicago. What, what interests you so much about Chicago? I think they've just exceeded expectations. Um, I don't think they, you know, 16 and 18, just outside the playoff. They're, they're in the play-in tournament right now if the season were to end now. Um, you know, I think Levine has – played better, uh, more efficient than before. Kobe White's been okay. Even with marketing out, um, I, I just – I would say I wouldn't have expected them based on their roster to be have a better record than Indiana, Atlanta, Washington, who made more splashy signings in the offseason. Um, and the Bulls just developed their talent. Patrick Williams, not a pick that people liked in the draft, but he's, he's really, good. He's fit he's into really good. He's played defense. He rebounds. Wendell Carter plays defense, rebounds. I just, I just think that, you know, they've they've exceeded expectations. I don't think people would have bet that they would have had a better record than Indiana, Atlanta, and Washington halfway through the season. So if, if you spoke to me about this uh, about a month ago, I would have been like, you know, Levine's putting up 50, 40, 90 numbers, basically. He's, he's 27 a game. But it doesn't really – it's like he's bad in the clutch. His assist-to-turnover ratio is bad. Like, it just – it's good stats, bad team. It's, it's the epitome of empty calorie stats. And then there was a stretch about starting three weeks ago where Levine really turned a corner, not, not just his playmaking, but also his crunch time numbers where he was going toe to toe at the end of games with like the best players. And I originally didn't think he was going to be an all-star. He's he was exceedingly well-deserving of his first all-star nod. And Chicago, Chicago is an interesting team in a sense where they have a lot of pieces that you like, right? Mm -hmm. Like Markin and theoretically is good. Carter theoretically is good. Levine, you know, he's he's taken a corner, uh, or I should say taken a, a step up, turned a corner. Kobe White, you like him, but together it just doesn't it just doesn't jive where it's like, well, where is this team going? Right? Where's this team going? So they're interesting in a sense where 
they can also go. I mean, so many teams yeah. are, are in this. Well, listen, that's a team that I would have said, you know, you, you listed those players preseason. I would have said, okay, uh, would it shock you if they were 13 and 23 at the bottom of the East? I would no. say, I would say, no, that wouldn't. Would they be looking to trade Thad Young off their bench? I would say, sure. Yeah, they're looking to, you know, trade him and get some pieces back. But right now, their young core, they're looking to build that, get in the playing tournament, get that experience, and build for the future. I think they're headed in the right direction. I still think they're, um, they may be sellers at the deadline. Uh, only, only because it's just, you know, I, I think a good, like a good team, a really good team is going to want Thaddeus Young. Um, and I don't know what they're going to do with marketing with his contract situation coming up. Uh, it's, and he's been injury prone and Carter's been injury prone. Like I, I think even as in the mixes as they are, it seems a little stale over there. Like something seems a little stale, but Hey, they have, they have a real coach in place now with, um, Billy Donovan. So all's not lost, but I, I don't think this is going to be the bulls year to like really make a go of things, but who knows if Levine goes crazy for a week, Given you know how close everything is in in the standings at the East after the top three, like it wouldn't you know nothing would surprise me at this point. Um, all right, so we want to move on to the West. Uh, so the two teams in the West that you're monitoring and why? Yeah, so um, the West is first you know not a team that I want to pick, but I, I just want to give a shout out to the Trailblazers and to Dame Lillard for what he's accomplished again uh, amongst just so many injuries again uh, for his team to still be in the top six in the West another year. Uh, you know, and I thought that I counted them out at the beginning of the year. I thought they'd take a step back and I think it really just goes to, it, it's really praise for Dame that McCollum's been out for as long as he has. And he's just keeping that, keeping that shit moving forward and they're a top team in the West. And it's just, it's really, really impressive. Yeah. Um, okay, so one through Hold six. Hold on one second right? before you go. Before you go on Portland, because I yeah. didn't have Portland either. But CJ McCollum, who's having a ridiculous year, who probably would have made his first All Star game um, if he didn't get hurt. It's unbelievable what Dame is doing with you know the patchwork team that he's got going on. Um, his clutch numbers this year are staggering. Yeah. They are staggeringly good. So big shout to Dame Lillard. I feel like. He's getting to the point where it's like everybody says he doesn't get enough respect. So in a sense, he does get the respect. It's it's a little weird with him. And I mentioned that the weird stuff with Stephen Curry, but Damian Lillard is awesome. But one last thing on Portland. Shout out to Carmelo Anthony. All right. Carmelo Anthony, much maligned. You know, the time with Houston was not good. Out of the league for a little bit. But let's put some respect on Carmelo Anthony's name right now because he's been awesome for the Blazers. And as a Carmelo defender over the years, I'm really enjoying this uh, Carmelo Anthony stretch. Um, yeah, quite a renaissance. Listen, the whole team, you got to give it, uh, you know, got to give that front office a lot of credit for, you know, Trent, Carmelo. Uh, just all their pieces that they're really making, you know, re-signing cancer, just everything they brought together has really been important for them and everything is, you know, kept them afloat. All right. So who are the, who are your two teams? Okay. So um, I, you know, we start, you know, after a rough start 
and missing one of their key players. Um, I am, and, and listen, the one through six in the West is sort of decided. So it's almost like we're watching these playing teams. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I've been really impressed with the Warriors able to stay where they are. And I think that goes a lot to Steph. This is not a surprise. I had him in my, my preseason MVP pick. And I think that, you know, listen, a few more wins here or there, and we could be talking about Steph back in the MVP conversation if he goes on another run. Um, you know, given that that roster had to learn itself and Wiseman was hurt and Looney was hurt and Draymond was hurt um, and, and those guys had to learn that system, I think they've done a phenomenal job and I think Steph's having a phenomenal year. And I'm, I'm excited to see whether they become a team that, uh, you know, a team that other teams fear to play in the playoffs. Right. Well, they'll fear of playing Steph in a one-game playoff. Exactly. Well, yes, yes, for sure. Um, would, would you would you want to would you want to play him in say say they're the nine seed, right? You know, the eighth seed, and they and they win their first, you know, that that uh, play-in tournament, and they get in. If you're at the top of the league, you know, do you want if you're Utah, do you want to see Steph Curry? You don't want to see Steph Curry. There's no chance because. And I'll get and Utah was one of my teams, and so I'll tease this a little bit. As good as Utah is, they'll go into most playoff series without having the best player on the court. And it's yeah. that's a hairy spot to be in. Uh, and very few, very few teams, when they go into a series like that, over the course of NBA history, win those series. Yeah, listen, the, the playoffs are different. It comes down to a lot more individual performances and, you know, getting the most out of Mitchell will be, you know, basically what Denver's going to rely on, even though the regular season yeah. looks like it's more of a by-committee approach. It's it's really going to depend on whether he comes through for them. But the uh, the forgot-about Dre, Stephen Curry season is is exceedingly enjoyable, especially for somebody who loves Steph Curry as much as I do. Okay, so that's team number one. Who's team two? Uh, my second team, which I just want to see if they're for real, um, uh, the Spurs, they are, they're just, they're punching above their, you know, they're, they're, they're hanging in there. Uh, they're in the, they're middle of the playoff pack right now in the West at, I'm pulling up the record. I think right they're now. the five seed now. Uh, well, they're at the seven now, but they're 18 and 14. Oh. They got the seven standalone. They're a little bit behind Denver for the sixth seed. Um, but just. I mean, the fact that they're even there at 18 and 14 with this packed West, you know, with everybody else focused on Zion and Ja and Steph and Luca, and here they are, the Spurs, and I give Pop a lot of credit for that, but it's a really by-committee approach. They don't have any sexy players. They've got a lot of effective players, and I'm just really interested to see whether they whether they actually stay in, whether they actually gain that experience for these young guys um, and uh, and whether they're for real or not. I thought DeRozan should have been the injury replacement over uh, over Conley, personally. I know the whole sentimental thing, Conley finally got his uh, all-star nod, but I, I thought DeRozan did enough to get it, but whatever. He, DeRozan's been there before. so. But, yeah, no, the Spurs, and they've got some young talent. I mean, DeJounte Murray, I've always been a believer in. I know he's, he's battled injuries. Uh, but he looks like a real player. Keldon Johnson looks like a player. Yeah. Lonnie Walker looks like a player. There, there's something there, and and Popovich has always evolved in terms of how they play. Uh, and but I mean, 
they'll be w- looking to really make moves when when Aldridge is finally off the books and they can they can do something. So my two teams, as I mentioned, Utah, and I mentioned Utah because number one team in the West, all the advanced numbers are there, but it's just is this that regular season team, kind of like the treatment Milwaukee has gotten before, um, regular season team. What are they going to do in the playoffs, right? But the difference between Milwaukee and Utah is in most playoff series, Milwaukee will have the player who could easily be the best player on the court in right. any given series. Utah's not going to have that. And I know that, like, and the the advanced metrics are so friendly to go bare. And I know I probably touched on this before, but, mm-hmm. like, I thought that the game against Philly was very telling. Embiid ate apart Gobert. Just ate him alive. And just you can't tell me that the guy who's getting eaten alive by his by his uh, contemporaries, who he goes against, Jokic has done work against Gobert too. And then – after seeing him get played off the floor in playoff series, like you can't tell me that's a defensive player of the year. You just can't. I, I just I just refuse to accept that. And you know, Mitchell's gonna have to do a lot of heavy lifting. He's gonna have to do a lot of heavy lifting to compete against um, you know, other top guys in playoff series because he may see Luca in the first round. He may see Steph in the first round, right? Depending on how it shakes out. So Utah. An incredible start to the season, and and all their guys are contributing, like one through seven. But I've never been a huge believer in Jordan Clarkson. Uh, we'll see if his unbelievable start to the season continues. So Utah is a team I want to monitor, but they play really nicely. Like they and they shoot tons of threes. They make a ton of threes, and they have other good defensive players besides Gobert, like Royce O'Neal should be on an all-defensive team. He's a really nice player. Mitchell, when he competes, he he really lock, he can lock in defensively. So I'm monitoring Utah. We'll see what we'll see where you're at. And the other one is Denver. Because Denver is the team that could have the best player in the series. Um, they have been disappointing. Uh, Jamal Murray is and to quote my guy Rosillo again, is the 13 or 30 guy. Would you be surprised if he had 13 points and was invisible? No. Would you be surprised if he had 30 points and went crazy in a game? No. So, And I've always said that they need to upgrade that spot. Uh, and they're a team that, that can make a trade. They can make a trade. Uh, we'll get to the, uh, the trades in a second, but I, I'm interesting – I'm interested to see where they go. Like if just internally, if it just meshes better, um, I'm interested to see what happens with Michael Porter Jr. in the second half of the year. Uh, Denver's the team that that can really, really make a make make a, a real push at this at this Western Conference thing. And in a West where I I honestly think it's as open as it's been in years. I would agree with that. So let's let's talk some fake trades. Give me uh, yeah. two fake trades you'd like to see. Um, yeah, so some fun ones, some fun ones that I, I would love to see. Um, first one actually, I think makes a lot of sense. I think they both teams really need to do something. Um, I'd love 
the Mavs to go and get Buddy Heald. Um, I think that, you know, Fox and Heald and Barnes and I think there's a lot of talent in Sacramento, but it's still not working out. And, you know, you're paying Buddy money and, it, you know, you know, at some point he's not going to get, he's not going to be happy. They had to, they had to trade, they had to let Bogdanovich go because they're trying to keep Buddy happy. Um, and I think the Mavs really need a shooter to replace Seth um, Curry who left. And I would love, I would love to see the Mavs actually go out and get a piece and, yeah. uh, you know, surround someone can surround Luca with, with some consistency and some talent that really made a push forward. All right. That, that, that's it. That's it. The Sacramento thing is just, it just seems like a bad mix. It, it just, and, and uh, they were, they were in every year. <laughs> yeah. And, and they, and they were playing, you know, three weeks ago, we we're talking about how they could possibly be in the playing game. Like De'Aaron Fox is a star, right? He was all-star level this year, but then all of a sudden the wheels came off and they have some dudes like Harrison Barnes, who's been good and, and could help a team. So do they move him? I mean, they have Halliburton, who's awesome. So yeah. who knows? I, I would sooner trade Heald than uh, Harrison Barnes if I was the um, if I was the Kings. But yeah, you know, I think they've got Fox and Halliburton, and it, you know, maybe that makes Heald a little bit expendable. And you know, I, I think that you know they'd be maximizing their opportunity right now if they traded him. Uh, my my next my next trade and and. You know, I'll 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 overlook the Andre Drummond or Victor Oladipo to the Lakers. We'll 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 leave that we'll leave that out um, as possible upgrades. But um, I actually would love to see the Knicks go ahead and get Vooch. I think, interesting. I think that it is really important for them to make the playoffs. Okay. Um, you know, obviously, I'm not giving up an asset of, uh, you know, I'm not giving up Barrett, I'm not giving up quickly, I'm not giving up Randall. But if you can go ahead and get Vucevic with those three, maybe give up some draft picks. That's your core that you want to build up. That's the core that you want to see in the playoffs do well. And going out and getting an impact guy like that almost guarantees they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to get that experience and they're going to be able to build the following year. So... I'm with you on the Knicks making a deal and I was going to, I'm going to do a whole Knicks podcast special because I'm obviously over the moon about how this season's going. Cause I never anticipated it going this well. I don't think Vooch is the guy for them only because they have so much vested interest in Mitchell Robinson being good. Um, you did mention Victor Oladipo. That's more the guy who, who for them, I think, Fits because the reason I don't think the re, the reason I don't see Oladipo there is that we're just you're just that's more wings and more guards. Like you just you're gonna have so many wings and guards on that team. You know, Robinson's been a little hurt. You can slide Vucevic next to Randall. I see that fitting. I see that it, fitting. It would it would fit. You might have I, to give up too much though. It would fit, but I think Oladipo for them, they're still playing Reggie Bullock, right? If you're still playing Reggie Bullock, you could take on Victor Oladipo and slide him in those minutes, and you'll be just fine, right? I don't need to see a Reggie Bullock. Yeah, I just I'd, I'd be worried if I was a Knicks fan that the Oladipo get would be like a classic Knicks grab, and then 
he re-injures and he doesn't play and you're paying him that money and you sign him because you had him and it doesn't work out well. That's I, I'd be, I'd be, you know, I, I'd more say just hope, hope you make the playoffs without him rather than get him. Um, given his history, he's still been sitting out like every back to back this year. Like it's, it's, you know, it hasn't been perfect. I would tend to agree, but if they were going to get a guy, I think he's the guy that they will, that they should target my two trades. It's actually, you could call it, you know, three trades or one trade and they all involve Kyle Lowry. I want to see Kyle Lowry go somewhere. Um, I want to see him either in Miami uh, I want I would love to see him in Philly or I would love to see him in Denver. All places that could really use that leadership, that vet, that defender. He would fit all three of those places and, and he would make those three teams, you know, instantly more bona fide contender status. I think you just got to ask yourself, is, is, is Toronto going to trade Mr. Raptor? I, I think it all indications said from what I've heard is that Larry's ready to go. I mean, and the Raptors have been in the mix again. So, but Masai shakes it up and, and I, I think Masai kind of knows that he's gone to the brink with this team. So it's time to get some young players and it's not like they're not barren at point guard. Cause Van Vliet is still awesome and they'll still be competitive. But I, I think Lowry, I think one of those three teams should make a, a real hard push at Lowry because he could push them to a, potentially a finals berth. Like, I really believe that. Yeah, like, I mean, if you plugged him in Miami and you put him with Butler and Bam, like, oof. And he would play He would play great with Jokic because he plays really well without the ball like he does with the ball. Denver could certainly use a defensive-minded uh, yeah. lead. That's for sure. He's And, and it's funny – the perception of Lowry all those years was like a guy who always came up small in the playoffs. But meanwhile, just two years ago, he had his biggest game in the clinching moments uh, of a, of a title game. So yeah. uh, I'd love to see him on the move. Um, all right. So before I let you go, uh, I did, I, I know we said we were going to talk a lot about the Lakers, but because I have you, um, I, I got to at least get your uh, where you're at with this Laker team right now. Uh, obviously, we've had the Davis injury. There's been, you know, some ups and downs. They 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 did not look sharp going into the All-Star break. Where are you at with the Lakers right now? What's your level of worry? Where's where's Laker Nation at? Yeah, I'm um, you know, I've got I've definitely got some worry. I don't think if you're a Laker fan and you're saying you're not worried, I think you're lying. Um, you know, we don't, we don't know how that strain, that Achilles strain or calf strain that, uh, that AD suffered, how that's going to respond. And I think that, listen, it all, it all hinges upon that. I think the week off for the whole team, I mean, they played Thursday night they're not playing again until Friday night. So eight days off is just phenomenal and couldn't have come at a better time. Um, I think, you know, Caruso had a Nick and, I think KCP never got healthy after his ankle injury. So, you know, I think that the, the week off's really been wonderful and will be really good for them. Um, but listen, it all comes down to Davis, you know, I, as, as great as LeBron is in year 18, he's not doing anything without Davis there giving him, you know, a hundred percent, you know, and, and being, and being healthy. So, you know, we're definitely, we're definitely worried. We're definitely worried. You know, it, 
it, it would be a shame to lose out on another opportunity for a back-to-back title if Davis can't get healthy. LeBron looked exhausted, you know, in the, in the last couple of games before the break, he looked exhausted. Like he definitely didn't have that burst. And, and I, and I know, and some of our friends are just like, he, they only had 72 games, you know, days off between them winning the title and the following season. But like most teams came back quickly. Like that's just the way it was, but there was a clear difference between you know, LeBron first two months, he had that burst. There was, there was a, an extra gear and he just, and he doesn't have, he didn't have it right yeah. now. He's playing a lot of minutes and, and I just, I don't know. I don't know with them. It, it, again, it all depends on Davis, but. Yeah. Honestly, I think that everybody sort of lost a little bit of that burst. The only person I think that actually, uh, you know, looked a little bit better was, uh, Jared Dully, who was finally getting some minutes out there, got to stretch his legs a little bit, and 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 Morris played a, played a, some more minutes, and he he actually looked better than the beginning of the year. But that whole team, that whole team, really really needed this break at this moment. Shout out to Jared Dully. The guy looks like he should be playing in a in a rec league at like LA Fitness. But keep getting them checks, Jared. You know what? I, I'm impressed. Keep getting them checks, as Jalen Rose would say. So, uh, but you're not. So what's the level of worry you are with the Lakers right now on a scale of one to 10? Where are you at? Um, you know, I, I would say a seven. I, 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 you know, I, I would say it's more of an unknown for sure until I see Davis back on the court and what he looks like. Um, but him being out for so long, uh, it's, it's a pretty high level of, of, of concern for me. Because if he doesn't come back and if he's not healthy, uh, you know, it's it, – you know, it's almost like let's I don't want to say this for real, but shut LeBron down and, and keep him healthy for next year because this year's a wash. Yeah, you're not that's not never gonna happen. LeBron never. would never would never. never allow allow that to to punt this year. But if Davis isn't right, I mean I don't think they have a, a, a chance to to get back to the finals. No. No, no way. No way. But uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting, interesting second half of the year. It's been an interesting first half of the year so far. And as you know, Josh, like we're going to have to talk about this again, you know, because uh, you have takes, I have takes and uh, it's always good content. So uh, we're going to have to do this again uh, later on in the year as the playoffs grow near. And uh, thanks again for your time. And we'll uh, always, a good time. always a good time. Thanks for having and, me on. Aaron. And by the way, one last thing. Uh, why you max ball? 36. 36 straight wins. Unbelievable. What was the re- I think I saw the record was like 60. Whatever it is. I don't know. We're, co- we're coming for that ass. We're Let's coming for it. We're, coming for, we're it. coming for it. Josh, good to speak to you, buddy. I'll speak Take to you care, soon. Man. Have a good one. Thanks again to Mr. Josh Friedman, recurring guest Josh Friedman, for coming on to talk a little NBA. He made a special request asking to come on, and he delivered. That's episode 104 for the love of the game. Take us out, Biggie Smalls and Craig Matt.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.